Hello, this is Aaron Bounds, pastor of the Anchor Church located in Zanesville, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life God called you to live. thankful for the goodness of God. Amen. Thank you, praise team. The book of Matthew chapter 11. The book of Matthew chapter 11. Amen. It's great to be in the house of the Lord tonight. So thankful for all of you wonderful people that have gathered here this evening. Won't you turn to two or three people and Greet them and tell them how glad you are that they are in church with you. Would you do that? Amen. So awesome. Thank you. You too. We want to pray tonight for Sister Lauren Upgrade. Last night, she she was taken to the emergency room and found out that she had had a was pregnant and didn't know it, and um, had a ruptured tube. They had to go in and do surgery on her last night. She was internally bleeding, which is very very dangerous. They had to go in and remove that. She is home recovering. Would take a, about a week to recover. And um, that had had a surgery last night. But we want to pray for her and uh, for their family. This is certainly a shock to them of what could have happened and what was happening. But we're going to lift our hands and ask God to minister to Sister Lauren. Would you, would, would you lift your hands? Let's pray. God, we are praying. For healing in her body, healing in her emotions. Oh God, you know all things. We're praying that God, you would move right where she is in her home and give her strength. Lord, the weakness that she's had, the pain she was in. Lord, this procedure that had to be done. I'm praying, God, the comforting of your hand. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Somebody say amen. I uh, uh, I was going to have us to read the word, but I, I just want you to be seated. You all have. I have been privileged over the years to pastor hardworking people, and I realize that you're hardworking people. And um, I just want to say from the outset of this teaching tonight, that it was never the will of God to live in the promised land the way you lived when you were in Egypt. It was not the will of God to become servants and, and slaves again to something that he called you out of that. They were afflicted, they were beaten, they were, they were bruised, 
because of the masters of Egypt in their day had caused them to become Hebrew slaves. How many know that? And when you begin to study the Old Testament to the New Testament and the typologies and the teaching, sin is, or Egypt is a type of Egypt. Uh, Egypt is a type of sin, excuse me. And you will find that the, the, the tasks of sin. My dad preached a powerful message on Sunday when he said you can't domesticate sin. It will rule your life. How many know it, it starts small that becomes bigger than you can handle? And when they went into Egypt, they, they went in and welcomed in, but when they were getting out, they didn't want to let them go, and they wanted to be taken advantage of. They were bruised, beaten, stripes on their back, day up, sun up to sundown, Every day, no break to work to not get what they worked for. And God saved them from all that. And he brought them into the promised land. And in the promised land with his word, he gave them commandments of good commandments. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. How many know that? Thou shalt not use the name of the Lord in vain. And he goes on all the way down. But the one that's not practiced very much in 2023 among saved people... It was a Sabbath day and to keep it holy. And what God was saying was you need some time for yourself. You don't need every space of your life filled up. You don't need every aspect of your life filled. You will find yourself, if you're not careful, without a Sabbath, without a space, without some rest, you're going to find yourself back in the condition that you were in in Egypt, unsaved, not, not, no joy, no peace, no value, not enjoying life. I preached last week about enjoying life. I come to preach to you today. It's not the will of God to be in the church and depressed all the time, fearful all the time, anxious all the time, miserable all the time. God didn't save you to be miserable. God saved you to be full of joy. Amen. The peace of the Lord. Could I teach you tonight, it is the will of God to have joy in your life. It is the, the Bible says it's joy unspeakable and full of glory. Somebody shout amen. amen. We should have the peace of God. And I see if we're not careful, we fall as Christians into American culture toward it, to where it is to have this and to obtain that and to drive that and to wear this. To where it's not over, it's not long until we can't be at the house of God because we're working. You can't be here valuable time with family because you're working. You create a budget that you cannot keep up with until you no longer can rest and have peace. It is not the will of God to become the slave to debt. To slave to culture. It used to be a culture of thrift, but now it's a culture of spend. A culture you have to have. You can't say no to yourself. And you leave yourself with no time. You leave yourself with no, no energy. You leave yourself with no money left over to do some things that you would like to do. I would say to you today, as I planned on coming to you with a hearty, heartfelt message and teaching but I come to you a little bit burdened right now because it is not the will of God to live for God and be sad all the time I'm going to tell you what I feel tonight from last week to this week I feel God wants to set you free from American culture 
God wants to set you free from the American dream. God wants to set you free from conspicuous consumption, which is, which is, what is conspicuous consumption? I'll tell you what it is. It's buying stuff to please people you don't even know or like. That's conspicuous consumption, is, is obtaining things to please people you don't even going to know in relationship, trying to outdo the next person. I don't feel we really deal with that here, but I'm going to tell you if we're not careful, our ministries will become so busy we have no time for ourselves. Our dreams will be outside of God's dreams for ourselves, and, and we will not be able to have what God wants us to have. Tonight, I've come to teach you about one word. It's the word margin. The word margin. Margin, a space in your life. It's a space of nothing. How many have ever read a paper and there was no margins on the paper? You ever look at that? When you look at a paper that has no margins, I remember one time, I, you know, when they were teaching us to write papers in school, you start typing and put this and... And, and I've learned that it's easier to read if there's a little more spaces in between. And if it goes from, from if it's a eight and a half by uh, 11 sheet of paper and uh, it, it is from every corner, it's filled with words. When I see it, it just overwhelms me. My mind cannot hardly comprehend it to even start it because if it's just words... There's hardly any spaces in between the, the sentences. I'm very glad you can put a 1.5 space between those sentences. Anybody, are you with me right now? Do you know what an indention, the definition of an indention is? Sister, Sister Teresa, you're back there. You're an educator. educator. Sister Kimberly, the ball's back there. She's an educator. And you know what a, uh, an indention is? It's a space of nothing. That brings clarity to the reader. It's a space of nothing that brings clarity. And I think that if we're not careful, that we will live a life that has no spaces of nothing. That brings, allows us not to have any clarity to anything that we're doing. Busy is what becomes our life. No time to rest. Now, I'm, why are you teaching this? Because I don't pastor... I don't pastor lazy people. They might pass through every now and then. I don't know, but I, I mentioned that last week. I'm, I'm talking to hardworking people, driven people, passionate people. That 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 you, you you sometimes you barely get to the house of God on Wednesday, but you're here because you're committed and loyal to that. And you you come to the house of God. You worked all day, barely got time to get a shower, or something to eat, and come in. You got you leave here. You might have to go do work and. And uh, because you're working. But I, I come to, you, to tell you today that it's not the will of God to spend yourself so short. That you don't have anything left. I, I grew up, I grew up uh, with a balanced family and thankful for them. But I remember in school taking health class and they, they brought the definition of the word wellness. Everybody say wellness. What is wellness? Wellness by definition, when I studied it in health, it was defined in the textbook. Wellness means to work a hard day's work and come home and have enough energy to spend with your family. To have no energy left means something's not well. A space of nothing. I've taught it to this church. Uh, I don't know why I feel so passionate about this tonight, but I really do. But he stopped at the end of the day and he, 
at the end of the first day of creation in Genesis, and what did he say? It was good. The end of the next day, he stopped. It was incomplete, but it was good. And some of you can't stop because your mind keeps going. Your mind keeps spinning. Your mind thinks about what's not done and instead of stopping and appreciate what is done. I think if you're beside your spouse, I, I think it'd be great if you looked at him and said, I appreciate all you do and all you've done. I think if we can stop every now and then, you can only see the laundry that's not done, ladies or gentlemen. You can only see what's not taking place, what hasn't been fixed, what hasn't been finished. How many know what I'm talking about? Can you wave your hand and you can only see what's not done? And you will live in an inadequate emotion because you can only see what has not been finished instead of stopping and celebrating what has. Everybody in this room, you need something called the margin of life. You need somewhere around the edges of your life with a space that's just blank. It's okay to get to work early, by the way. And get to work really early, by the way. And uh, I told a few young ministers around me recently, I said if I could go back and change one thing in my life, as a pastor in the last years of my life, 10 years ago I had a, a TIA mini stroke type of situation that brought a lot of change to my life because I didn't create a space of nothing. My, my, my schedule was full and I thought if I didn't have it filled that I, I, I didn't want to be lazy. I, I didn't want to not have work. And, uh, but as a pastor what I didn't realize there was always an emergency. And so to squeeze in an emergency and pack inside of a full schedule was a challenge. And I found myself incrementally over a period of time getting out of balance. Anybody, any of you ever been out of balance? Yeah? Some comedian one time said, so they asked somebody, said, how many kids you have? He said, I only have four. They said, you can't say you only have four if you have four. They said, what's it like having four children? He said, it's like drowning and somebody handing you a baby. Might seem that way with two kids at sometimes, maybe one. Maybe, might seem that way with just one spouse. Who knows? I don't know. But life can be life can be so full. But I was very passionate. I was in in uh, uh, driven, and uh, and I found myself. I was on ten boards. A lot of those in this community, besides the church, I was on ten boards, pastoring two or three churches, traveling, family. And uh, I, I got out of balance. It was, it was, my intentions were good. And uh, I, I would come to the office sometime and the secretaries, I said, I don't see anything on the schedule. They said, it was because we blocked it. And I said, well, why'd you block it? They said, because we, we thought you might need a little break in between some meetings that you're doing. They could see what I couldn't see. My wife, actually, the week before we sat down, she sat and had a talk with me, and I'm so thankful. You can't, she said, you don't even see it, but you're busy. I said, I, I don't see it. Because there was a world to reach. There were things to do. The kids are growing up fast. And uh, I told these young preachers, if, if I could, one thing, it's good to see you, Brother Steve, there's one thing I could change. I would have removed the rush from my life. Y'all hear, hear me? Does that translate in English? 
I would have removed the rust from my life. What I'm saying is I would have taken not so many things from my schedule and let less become more. Less sometimes is more. And that where you can focus more on a few things is try to get to all of them. And by, by that I mean I found myself at the hospital, literally I would drive to the hospital because I had another meeting to go to. I, would, I wouldn't, didn't have time to hit the elevator. And I, I knew I needed to get my exercise in anyhow, so I had to run up the steps. I'd go in there and pray for somebody. I wouldn't ever rush it because when I'm with somebody, I'm with somebody. But then when I'd get out, I'd run to the next to the truck, get back to the next meeting. I was running. I always drove five miles over or six. Seven or eight. Eight to skate, nine your mind. That's what I heard. Somebody said, you get nine, you get a ticket. I don't know. But then you find yourself, as, as, as one preacher said on the way, and he was speeding to get to the meeting, he said, Lord, bind them and blind them, Jesus. <laughs> Justifying the cause I'm doing the Lord's work. And... Uh, Finding myself not knowing, not not knowing that uh, I was out of bounds, and uh, when my wife spoke, and I appreciate having people in my life that love me enough to speak, having a you and for all you all you men in the building, be good if you listen to your wife every now and then, and uh, ladies, it'd be good if you listen to your husband every now. And then having somebody that can speak into your life that sees where you're at. And she had that conversation with me and she said, you don't, you're busy, but you don't see it. it. It can't go on this way. How did I get there? Here a little and there a little. Everybody say here a little and there a little. Tragedies can happen in that. People don't backslide overnight. People don't become successful overnight. It's just incremental things here and there. You can load your life down. You can do great things with here a little bit. I had added on to my schedule, added on to my life responsibilities and what I didn't know is I was crumbling from within. Uh, I would say to you tonight uh, you need to listen to your physical, are y'all with me this evening? I'm teaching you life. I, I will preach on Sunday but I'm going to give you scripture tonight in a moment but about the margins but but if you don't listen to your body, you're not wise. And all the hard-headed men in the room that won't go to the doctor. doctor I went to the doctor one time. He said, uh, uh, he, he said are you hurting? I said, no. He said, uh, you have anything wrong? I said, no. He asked me one more question. I said, no. He said, your wife sends you? I said, yes. He wanted me to go get checked up, you know. Make sure I was okay. And uh, I hurt my arm one time. I didn't go for months until my arm had locked. And uh, I walked in there and I kept moving my arm. I'd, I'd bicep tendonitis, bursitis, I'd hurt it. Pretty painful. And he said, why don't you come? I said, because I don't like going to the doctor's office. Can I get a witness from some real men? <laughs> I just don't like going. I'll fix it. It's, it's going to be okay. I'll override it. But you need, I've learned, you need to listen to your body. And uh, during that season of my life, my vision was blurry. And I didn't feel well. 
Uh, and I'd get up and I have to blink my eyes a lot just to get a clear vision. And I've got 20-20 vision. I'm thankful for that. But my vision was blurry. And I, I could tell something, but I didn't want to go get checked. And so my wife said, Aaron, you, something's got to change in your schedule. And something has to change. You've got you to be willing to say no to something. And, and uh, in that season of time, I called an elder in my life. And I said, I, my wife says I'm out of balance. And uh, I need counsel. She said, I don't see it. I didn't see it. The world was lost. There's another Bible study. Are y'all hearing me tonight? And, uh, and he started praying with me, counseling with me. And a meeting that I was preaching that weekend, I shouldn't have been preaching. I'd taken a... I had taken a meeting, I had taken a meeting out of guilt. God never operates by the motivation of guilt. Did you hear, hear me? Uh, in my schedule, I didn't feel it in the spirit. But I, I, I took it because of guilt. And uh, I remember bending my knee at this meeting. I said, Lord, I can't say that you sent me, but I'm asking you to help me. I'm going to tell you, you have to be careful to get involved in battles that don't belong to you. That's why social media is a, is, it can be a, a major problem. Because God didn't intend it for you to worry about that many things. Did y'all hear me? And uh, if you don't pass that note on, you're going to die. If you don't share it with nine people, are you, you know... And uh, yeah, there on the tombstone it says they died because they didn't share the Facebook post. You, you can't worry about that many countries, that many sick people, that many issues, pray about that many things, and pray about the whole world but can't pray for five members of your family. And you're processing so much information that, that it is going to dumb you down. You can't be excited about that much stuff. You don't, you don't have that much dopamine in your brain. Are y'all hearing me? And what you will find is you will find yourself spent. I used to justify it because Paul said, I'm willing to be spent for the gospel's sake. and willing to be marked. And I knew I was weary but didn't know how to change it. And it brought change to my life. And when I found myself standing right there, my lands are being transparent tonight. But when I was sitting here getting ready to teach 70 people how to teach a Bible study, 70 Bible study teachers, I'm sitting there, Brother Brian, a little bit further back where you are. I went numb on the right side of my body. I was numb on the right Oh, my goodness. Cindy, do I need to stop here or do I just tell the story? I went numb on the right side of my body, and I texted my wife. I said, I said, you need to come over here. Brother Russell was teaching and doing his part, came over and... and uh, uh, she came over and she said, what's wrong? I said, I can't feel the right side of my body. I'm numb on the right side of my body. She said, what? I said, I am. I said, but we, we planned this meeting for six months. I'm teaching. I stepped right up here, stood right here, and when I went to read my notes, all of the lines on my, on my iPad blurred together. And I, I did. Sister Autumn, they just blurred like that. And I stepped away. I didn't want anybody to know. I said, hey, what so so? Won't you come up and read my text for me? They didn't know I was pushing it off. And while he was reading, I turned around, faced this wall, literally. When I faced this wall, I was about to pass out. Numb on the right side. But when I turned around and opened my eyes like you spilt white milk all the way down. What I didn't know, I had a blood clot in my left calf. A piece of it broke off and went to my brain. 
And uh, I went from there and went and preached a wedding. And I told the pastor, I was going to, we were both teaching. I told him, I said, Pastor, I said, I just want you to know I'm right on, I'm numb on the right side of my body. And he said, you only got two hours to reverse it if it's a stroke. You probably ought to go to the hospital. And uh, I didn't stay for the reception. Guilt. I went on and they rushed me. Found out, found out what was going on. What I'm saying is you can get so driven with great intentions that you miss truly the value of having nothing in your life in segments. I feel this tonight because I, I've got a question for you. I, I'm not talking to people that have a margin of words around your world with a big space in the middle. I'm talking about people that have a chapter that's being written of your life. That there's, If somebody would try to read your script of the book of your life, it would just be no spaces at all. There's no indentions. I, I, I teach you tonight that you got to go early to work and sit in the parking lot and let there just be silence. Why are you early? Because there might be a car wreck between here and there. might be a train between here and there. And there's no excuse for being late. Let the church say amen. But most of the time you get there, you're going to have a space that's going to be quiet and nothing. And it's a place that you can come in silence with the Lord. I hear the verse in Matthew 11 and 28 where he said, Come unto me, all you that what? Labor. Can you throw that up there? Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will what? Give you rest. He said, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Yoke is what you put around oxen. A twofold yoke would have two oxen in it. and uh, Or a yoke, and you would hook it to a plow and you would work that. He said, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. That's a double yoke he was talking about. And what it's saying is the the, 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 the lead oxen is the master oxen that would be there. They would put it on and the younger oxen would put on the other side and they were, they were yoked together to learn to take the stroke of life together. As, as the, the lead oxen would lead, the new oxen would walk in unison. And when there was a shifting, they would know exactly how to bear that load. And what Jesus was saying is, you're yoked to the wrong thing. You're yoked. You're, you're, you're being led and burdened by the wrong stuff. You, you've got the wrong yoke. You, you're working, but it's for the wrong reason. You're working, but it's, it, it's, it's not benefiting you. It's beating you down. It's affecting your mind. It's affecting your emotions. Why are you working that job? Why are you working the overtime? Why are you working in such a way that you have no time to pray, read your Bible, spend quality times with those you love, cannot come to church on Sunday? Why? Because your world, you have put your head into the yoke of a yoke that does not belong to God. Driven, no different than the person down the street that doesn't know the Lord because you're yoked to American culture. You're yoked to some dream that was not of God. Can I tell you, when the yoke of the Lord comes upon you, there will be rest and there will be peace. There will be extra finances. There will be extra time. There will be joy. He said, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. He said, my yoke is easy. 
And my burden is light. I've watched people come to the Lord and become so passionate about the kingdom. They they, they, they get yoked up with a vision that wasn't from God, a dream that wasn't from God. Get out of balance and driven by guilt, driven by the lost, instead of being driven by what God is calling them to do. Can I tell you, that's why the scripture says, early will I seek thee. You what you're doing, you're getting up in the morning and saying, Lord, this day belongs to you. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. I'm not going to do it my way. I'm going to do it his way. Come on, do you hear what I'm preaching to you right now? God, I'm yoking with you. You know what today holds. And I'm not walking this day without you leading me. Walking hand in hand. And he walks with me. And he talks with me. And that's what has to be. Because when life trips you up, you've got the master who is yoked with you that teaches you how to carry the load, how to carry the burden. God didn't ask you to give all of your money. He asked you to give first. He didn't ask you to give all of your time. He said, put him first. And I'm telling you, if you'll put him first, you will never get out of this life, but you'll get out of walking with the Lord. How many know there's joy and peace going in his way? Can you shout hallelujah? He didn't say give him all of your energy. He said just use a portion of it for his kingdom. Somebody shout hallelujah. Just because... Just because you can eat the whole meal doesn't mean you should. Praise God. You can eat the whole pie, drink the whole two liter. My lands, just because you can doesn't mean you should. Praise the name of the Lord. And when it comes to your finances... Don't you let some slick salesman talk you into something that you're going to have to live with and pay for, work overtime for. I had a friend of mine that bought a car and he and his wife couldn't afford it. They sort of knew they did, but the salesman made them feel like they could pay for it. So they were trying to live to keep the, keep, keep the car. They were so financially strapped to drive this nice car. And he told the Lord, he said, Lord, you own the cat on a thousand heels. If you'll get us out of this car payment, I promise we'll never do it again. So the next day they drove around the curve, there was, a, there was a herd of cattle in the road and they hit one of those cows. It's a true story. They hit the cow and totaled the car. And when the car got totaled, they got out of the payment. Isn't that funny? He said, Lord, you own the cattle on a thousand hills. You can get us out of this. Well, the Lord did. The Lord did. Some, some of you need a... Just because you can doesn't mean you should. Paycheck comes in, you spend all of it. Got $25 left over, you know what? Let's go eat. Go, go eat somewhere. You, you should have stayed home and ate ramen noodles for 25 cents. No savings. Can I, can, let, me, let me throw something out here to you. Here's one thing I don't want ever hear any of you say is when somebody does something in good, nice vacation, they, they get a nice vehicle, vehicle they, they, do, they get something nice, but you say to them, it must be nice. It must be nice is the language of envy. 
When somebody says, well, that must be nice. It's the language of envy. Envy is not of God. You may know. Envy will lead to wicked things. Sometimes people work, and uh, Dave Ramsey and his class are teaching over here. They appreciate what I'm preaching right now in that class. He talks a lot about saving, but he said you have to live like everybody else so you can, you, you, you don't live like everybody so you won't live like everybody else. And I think that our kids, when they get married, they think they're going to have everything right now. There has to be a space in their life of savings. The Rockefeller taught his kids that if they received money, they had to log it into a log book. And they had to keep record of every penny they received. And such a percentage of it had to go into savings, different things, and then they were only allowed to keep a small margin of it. When your kid gets birthday money and they spend every dollar of it and you celebrate with them, you're teaching them to have no margins in their life, no space in their life. They can only be involved in so many things. They can only spend so much. And when they, listen, I think we had a little bit of a dis... <laughs> I've got a little... When you're growing up, your parents told you, finish the plate. But when you're adults and you finish the plate, and you're out to eat and you're sitting there and you know if I eat that, but mama said, finish the, are y'all with me right now? At some point, there has to come discipline in your life. Because you have to be able to say no today to things that you know are going to take away from tomorrow. Somewhere in your life, when finances come to you, you got you to gotta not think about what you're going to buy. You have to start thinking, how am I going to save? Where's the space with this money? Where's this, where's this money going to go? Well, I could buy something with that money or I can have it sitting here doing nothing. Everybody say a margin. Do you have any margins around your finances? There's money sitting there just in case because when you get money in savings, I promise you, it's going to bring clarity to everything you're doing financially. But when you do not have anything in savings and every dollar comes in, is gone. It's flying away. You're not going to see any purpose of your finances. Pastor, I, you know, I, I mean, it comes in and goes out. It comes in and goes out. It's because of bad budgeting. It's not the devil's fault. Your finances can look like the piece of paper. Would you read a, bu a book that had no indentions, no spaces between the words, no spaces between the lines, and no margins? How many would read that book? Our life shouldn't look like that. There's going to be a moment at the end of the day you stop. I promise you, if you hang out with Jesus, he's going to say, don't do that. And I've been talking about Jesus calling ladies women a woman. But when Jesus was at Martha's house in Luke 10, and Mary's over sitting at his feet doing absolutely nothing, She's ever washing dishes and sweeping the floors and wiping the walls down and making sure the candles lit and the, and, the, and the bread was in the oven. And she looks over and Mary is sitting there at Jesus' feet doing nothing. She gets annoyed by her. 
Jesus, Mary, Jesus, would you tell Mary to come over here and help me? I've got all this stuff to do. And Jesus at that moment doesn't call her a woman. He says, Martha, Martha, I'm going to tell you, it's like saying Aaron Keith. That's like calling your kids by the middle name. Martha, Martha, you know what Martha means? Rebellious. And he was calling out to her, rebellious, rebellious. You're over there, you're coming about with, with many things. And what that meant was you're so busy worried about everything that she's found the good part. And if you live your life with no indentions and no margins, it'll turn to rebellion. Because it'll all become about you and what you want and what you think. To sit down and pray, to sit down and read your Bible might not seem productive, but it's the most productive thing you'll do. Because God speaks in a still, small voice. Oh, pastor, how many know when Elijah was in the mountain? Y'all have a couple minutes? When Elijah was in the mountain, he was fleeing from the voice of Jezebel. He was hoping not to die. He goes to a cave. You know where he goes? He, he goes? he goes to the mountain that Moses was at when Moses received a place with God that God showed him creation where he wrote the five first books of the Bible. Genesis was written. Moses was there and that's where God had told Moses, I've got a place beside me reserved for you. How many know in, in the cleft of the rock? He said, I've got a place beside That's real. I've got a space of nothing right here beside me for you. And when he got there, God God showed Moses creation. That's not a part. I believe that was where he showed him creation. How else do we know about creation? There was no man at creation. Just God. But God revealed to Moses at that moment about creation. A lone place up in a mountain. When Elijah got in trouble and Jezebel's trying to kill him, he tries to go. I think it was, it was hundreds of miles away. But he, he goes all the way to the same mountain, but he goes and hides in a cave and feels sorry for himself. You're not going to get anywhere feeling sorry for yourself. You're not going to help you. Crawl in a dark place, isolation and loneliness. Don't go to church because you're having a hard time. It just makes no sense. Get up. And God came to Moses, excuse me, God came to Elijah and said, what are you doing in this cave? He said, get out of the cave and stand in the cleft of the rock. And when he did, he stood out on the edge. And the Bible says in... Um, 1 Kings chapter 19, it says that a wind came, but God was not in the wind. I mean, no thundering came. God was not in that. Fire came, but God was not in that. Where was he at? Still small voice. You know why? Because when the law comes, it comes with thundering, it comes with fire, and it came with wind. But when the prophets would speak, it would come with a still, small voice, a nudge. And God's not come to you with a thundering. He's not come to you with fire. He's not come to you with wind. When he comes to you, he's going to come with a nudge of his spirit to show you what he has for your day. 
But we're so caught up with the noise and expecting some move. We got noise. We live in the loudest generation that there's ever been. They can't go to sleep without noise. They can't go to sleep without TV on. They can't go to sleep without music playing. And, and God's trying to move and speak. But we're terrified of the silence. We're terrified of inventions. We're terrified of margins. We're terrified of a space of nothing to where we have to sit in silence. Because we're of a generation that has to be busy, 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 busy. Noise, 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 noise. And you know I'm telling you the truth tonight. You don't save, you spin. You got to be going. You can't stop. You got to be busy. You got to have your hands doing something. The kids can't. The kids are spastic. Why? Because they, we have taught a generation that there, has, there, there, there can't be any room for any space. And people are so messed up because the page is totally full. There's not a blank spot on each side. There's not a space between the letters. not a space between the sentences. But somewhere you've got to stop. Say, hold on a minute. If somebody read the book of my life, what's it going to look like? Is it going to be margins and space and bring clarity to who I am? Or are they just going to see a blur? Are you all with me this evening? Stand to your feet. A blur. You don't spend it all. You don't eat it all. You don't fill it all. Somewhere you stop. And I promise you, God's going to bring clarity to every area of your life if you allow room for the margin in your life. When I first started preaching, Brother brother Liggett, when I first started preaching, I'd get up and preach. I could preach a 15-minute sermon in one and a half minutes. There was no indentions. There was no margins. There were no spaces. I preached fast. Right through it, I'd preach. And uh, I don't know why, but I was scared to death to stand between people and have a moment like this. I was terrified of any space in the message. One time my dad handed me a tape. Y'all know what cassette tapes are? It was on a cassette tape. And uh, he handed, it wasn't an 8-track, amen. He handed me a cassette tape and he, lit, he said, you go listen to this and tell me what you did wrong. How many of you want me to tell you what you're doing wrong? It did hurt my feelings. I put it in. I said the word hallelujah so many times. It was every time I had a, a spot of a change of thought. Hallelujah. I was scared to death to have any space. You know what I was doing? I was preaching but not allowing any clarity with what I, what I was saying. I'm better because my dad said, it's okay to have a pause in your life. That's why when you're reading the book of Psalms, there's a word called selah. You know what Selah means? Pause. It allows space for the next verse. Typically, if you saw Selah, that was where the song would go to a key change. You would go, take it to another octave. But you had a moment where you was nothing but a pause. And if you're not careful, you're going to spend your life and have no spaces, no pauses, and you're going to miss what God intended for you financially, Physically, mentally, spiritually. There has to be a pause in your life. To all you young people, how many of you are in your 20s? Would you raise your hand? I, I know it's going to be hard to take what I'm going to tell you. Amen, Brother Rick. 
We all know you're in your 20s, Brother Rick. Amen. I'm going to tell all the 20-somethings. Get online on Dave Ramsey Retirement Calculator. Use 8% interest on your retirement because that's about a 30-year average. And put money in there in that calculator and see where you will be at age 67 at retirement. At 20 years old, putting a couple hundred bucks in a month versus starting at 30 years old. Problem is, everything we get in, we want to buy, and everything we get in, we want to spend. But I wonder what would happen if you got your, your paycheck out. You said, that 10% belongs to the Lord. I return that to Him. You took a percentage of that and said, I'm, I'm, I'm keeping that because I want to be able to bless people and give. I don't want to spend everything I have. I want to be able to give. I'm going to tell you what I've learned. Givers will always have to give. Always. The number one common denominator among the wealthy is that they are givers. Only 19% receive their wealth by inheritance or lottery or an estate that was handed to them. 81% of millionaires in North America are self-made. Common denominator, denominator among all of them was their givers. You got to take a portion and say, you know what, I'm not buying that because I can't give. I'm not buying that because I can't save for retirement. Y'all quiet, but I'm not nervous at all. I know what the Lord's given me to teach you tonight. Because there's going to be one day you're going to be too old to be able to physically do what you're doing at 20 and 30 and 40. You're going to look at somebody that has a nice retirement and a good income that's coming in. You're going to look at them you're going to say, boy, it must be nice. And you're going to be envious. When the truth of the matter is, you weren't a steward. You spent it all. You had a nicer car than they did at that age. But the payment was twice as much. Somewhere, you got to step back and say, what am I doing with my time? What am I doing with my life? It's okay to have some time for just you. I'm going to tell you, it's okay to have time for just him. And I tell you what my dad taught me. Nothing's getting away of my Sunday time with Jesus. I'm going to be at the house of God because that's my time to give him. I'm not washing my car. I'm not going fishing. We're not going shopping. Might take a vacation a time or two and be away out of town a year. But when it comes to that time, it belongs to him. Somebody shout, that time belongs to God. Can I ask you a question? What portion are you giving to God? What portion are you giving to just a pause? To where you sit alone with the Lord. Man, come here. Come here, Brother Mealy. Come on up here. You can roll out of bed, roll out of bed and start your day. You can hook up with the Lord and say, I'm going to do this day with Him. And I promise you, if you'll start with a little space before you go to work with and spend some time with God, I'm just showing you being yoked together. And I promise you, it's going to be like this. 
time is going to stop. At the end of the day, you're going to have more time. You're going to have more energy. You're going to find when you do it right with the Lord, and you start first with the Lord, you're going to find you have more finances than you've ever had. Why? Because you're yoking your finances, you're yoking your time, you're yoking your mind, you're yoking your spirit to Him. Give me somebody that just rolls out of bed and heads to work. They're not going to have time, they're going to have energy, they're going to have emotion. But when you give me somebody that takes time, it's, it's sort of a, come here, elder. Stand right there. An invention on your day. Let's not work. You pause. You have time for dating, time for hanging out. You have time. If somebody says, well, I don't have time, they just told on themselves. Because you cannot give God time that he doesn't give it all back to you. Y'all hear me? When, Moses, when, when Abraham's coming up this side of the mountain willing to offer Isaac, there was, a, there, was a, there was a ram coming up this side of the mountain. Because you will never give that he doesn't give it back. And I feel this tonight. There needs to be a change in the way some of you think. Alone time with God isn't a waste of time. Spending all your money was not, not ever the will of God. You can't find it in the Bible. You can't find it anywhere except. Spending all your time on you is never the wheel. Taking time with him. Taking time alone. Taking time to think. Somebody shout amen. Look at your neighbor and say, I need some space. Tell somebody next to you, say, we need a little space. Some of you meant it when you said it, but that's not what I'm talking about. Would you lift your hands and tell the Lord, I don't want to do this wrong. I only have one life to live. God, I know you don't want me to give it all, spend it all. Give me wisdom to coordinate my days and my weeks and my months. Lord, I want my emotions to be a blessing. I want my strength to be a blessing. Come on, the Lord is moving in this teaching tonight. I want you to begin to honor the Lord. Come on, the Bible says honor the Lord with thy substance. I want you to thank God for every good thing He's ever given you. <laughs> we love you, Lord. They can sing a song. I want us to take a moment and pray. Say, I'm going to change the way I think. In the name of Jesus, we love you today. Thanks again for listening to the Anchor Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Zanesville area, we invite you to join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at theanchor.church. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.